What's going on, guys? You are listening to the Lens Culture Photography Podcast, hosted by myself, Jonathan Pajak. And I just want to let you guys know the purpose of this podcast is to help all of you guys, photographers, videographers in this awesome industry, grow your business. That is the main purpose here. If you want to access anything I reference in this episode, be sure to head down to the show notes of the episode for additional information. Enough talking, let's get right into it. Building the perfect wedding photography kit is an ever-growing process. Well, unless you have a bunch of money and a lot of money to put down when you're just starting in the beginning. On today's episode, we're going to talk all about the perfect wedding photography kit for a solo shooter. I'm going to give you a few different examples, what I'm currently using, um, kind of what I would suggest today. And honestly, we I talk about this a little bit in kind of other episodes, guys. But in today's episode, I'm going to dive deep into what I would suggest a new photographer starting off that's shooting weddings solo by themselves. So let's hop into it. So I say on a lot of episodes on this podcast that um, photography is ever changing. You're never going to go start off, you know, just being amazing from the rip unless like you mentored under somebody or something like that and they helped you grow without even you buying your own gear. Maybe you just held back from them or something like that. Um, but I said before, the barriers to entry are a lot lower than they used to be. Back in the day when everybody was shooting on film and it was really expensive to process that film and kind of learn from your mistakes or learn what you're doing correctly, um, there wasn't a lot of information. You couldn't go on YouTube and search how to use a $400 camera that you bought on eBay or Amazon or something like that. Um, it seems to be that every mom and pop has a camera sitting around in their sh- in their studio or something, or random families do now. Um, and honestly, with the barriers to entry being so low, guys, you really have to stand out and you know be aggressive with your marketing, which you talk a lot about on this podcast, um, but also just understand how to utilize the gear that you do have. So when talking about gear, style of shooting is a huge factor in what gear you purchase. I currently shoot all of my weddings on prime lenses. I do this because I enjoy being able to really utilize wide um, um, aperture ranges so I can blow out the background in certain situations to achieve a more compressed or professional image. And I do air quotes here, professional image, because people usually associate really high quality images with like, you know, really nice blurred out background. Kind of why Apple introduced the portrait mode on their phones because everything was in focus. So it didn't really separate that subject from the background that much. Um, So that's why I shoot on primes. Also, primes have a huge advantage in low light. Normally, primes are going to be in the F you know, now as low as f1.2 range with some of the, some of the Canon lenses up to like f1.8, even f2, um, where you're going to get really great advantage in low light because that aperture is so wide. Um, shooting on primes does have have its drawbacks, though. Um, you are the focus as far as, um, or you are the, um, um, you're the framing, I guess is what I want to say. If you want your shot to be a little bit closer, you physically have to move closer. Um, and, and if you want it wider, you physically have to step back a little bit wider. So sometimes you can't have limitations as to um, how wide you can get in a bride prep room or a groom prep room or how tight you can get without the person's face looking distorted because you're on a wide angle lens. And later on, I'm going to touch on my kit and where I'm using my stuff in certain situations. But I just wanted to touch on the style. Um, style is huge, guys. So when you have a prime um, kit wedding photography um, kit, prime lens wedding photography kit, um, you a lot of times are going to be somebody that moves around a lot. Um, I tend to recommend primes to very active and energetic photographers that find themselves moving around a lot, that the photographers that don't mind 
jumping up to reframe or moving closer or stuff like that um, that don't mind maybe even juggling two different cameras for me I juggle two different cameras all day I have one that's a little bit on a, on a wider and then one that's a little bit tighter as far as focal ranges go if you were to look at the same image on let's say a 35 millimeter lens and try to emulate that same exact frame on a 75 uh, millimeter or maybe even a 85 millimeter uh, lens the compression is going to drastically change what that image looks like. Now, it technically, and I air quotes again, guys, <laughs> technically is going to be the same framing because you're moving yourself to a spot that makes you know the most sense. But it's going to look a lot different because when you're on a 35 and you're like, let's say you're getting just like just below the feet to just below the head portrait, it's going to look really wide. That person's going to look bigger. The background's going to look a lot wider, not nearly as compressed. Whereas if you are on a 75 or an 85, that background's going to look compressed, more 2D um, in, my, in, my, in my opinion. And honestly, for me, I usually like to shoot all of my all of my portraits at 50 millimeters or above. The only time I'll ever throw the 35 on or sometimes rare rare occasions the 24 millimeter is if it's very large family shots, very large um, uh, formal group pictures and I don't have much space to go back. If it's a large family and I have enough space to go back on a 50 or an 85, I'm doing it because it's just going to look more compressed and better and a better image in general. Um, and honestly, a lot of times with those having the prime doesn't matter as much because when you're shooting a large group of people, you're not going to be shooting that at f1.4. That plane of focus is so small that if it's like two layers of people, one layer will be in focus and one won't, especially when you go above 85 millimeters. Um, so I always suggest, you know, as you in introduce more layers of people, go up a stop. So, you know, two layers, 2.8, three layers, four, all up to like f5 in some cases if it's a very large group setting. So I want to go quickly into this little gripe I have with the um, wedding photography and videography community. Um, and there's a saying that some photographers say all the time, and I refuse to ever let these words kind of come out of my mouth. And um, the saying goes is this, the client doesn't know the difference. And I want to let that sit in here for a second. The photographer, I've heard this before, and I remember when I first started, I didn't really understand the saying, and then I kind of got it. Um, the photographer and videographer that constantly say some that sometimes this stuff, the client doesn't know the difference. And I never want to have this mentality. And the reasoning is because a lot of times, basically what you're saying is that you can cut corners or do things differently that are easier per se, um, so that because the client doesn't know the difference of that photo. Um, I think a lot of times this is a great... This is usually said by zoom shooters. And what a zoom lens is for those super newbies out there um, is basically a lens that has the ability to zoom in without you moving. So a prime lens is something like a 35 millimeter. That's where you're standing one spot and the only way for you to zoom in and out in your photo is for you to physically move. Whereas zoom lens like a 24 to 70 is a lens where you get 24 millimeters and 70 while standing in the same exact spot. Now, you're asking, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you get zoom lenses only? Well, zoom lenses tend to sacrifice aperture. Um, they tend to sacrifice not being able to be all the way open at f1.4 or 1.8. They're usually notoriously not as good in low light. Um, and honestly, sometimes it it you won't get as much of that 3D and that separation from your subject in the background as you would on a tight prime or even a mid-range um, um mid-range prime as well but zoom lenses do have their advantages just like i just said you don't have to move to zoom in you could be in one spot to get multiple 
frames. Um, you could get a wide shot at 24 of somebody's whole body. You could go into 50 and maybe get like mid thigh up and then you can go 70 and literally get, you know, belly button, mid stomach up and have a nice tight shot. So there's three photos that you can capture within 15 seconds that are all different from each other. Um, as opposed to the prime lens where you have to move a little bit closer, reframe, reframe, maybe adjust your focusing points and same thing and goes on. Um, so lenses are, lenses are huge guys. There's usually either the zoom lens category, the prime lens. Um, and then there's, you know, there's a few lenses. I think the Sigma makes one that's like an F 1.8, which is like the lowest aperture that there, I think there is in a zoom lens right now. And Canon is coming out with some pretty awesome RF lenses that are really, really expensive. Um, actually more expensive than the cameras I have on this list that are F2, which is pretty amazing because the notoriously speaking, a lot of your zoom lenses are going to go as low as F2.8 and that'll be about it. Now I want to explain a little bit about cameras and some of the requirements. Above when I was talking about the lenses, these are not requirements. I'm just giving you examples of two different options, your prime option and your zoom options and kind of the, some positive and, and negatives with both of them. So with cameras, in my opinion, besides being like legal, insured, maybe having an LLC or a corporation, a professional photographer, especially a wedding photographer, must check these boxes when it comes to considering a camera to be considered a professional. Um, the cameras must shoot at least 20 plus megapixels. 24 really is like kind of standard industry now. Sony makes almost all of the sensors you're going to see in pretty much all of your cameras. And I think their lowest one starts at around 24 or 20-ish in the 5D mark or the Canon 1DX Mark II has a 20 inch megapixel sensor, but that's because it shoots photos insanely fast. Um, but I say 20 to 24 plus is a great starting point. I wouldn't go anything lower than that. That does rule out the new A7S III. As amazing as that camera would probably be in low light, I wouldn't really deliver 12 megapixel clients or images to a client, especially if it's a really powerful image that you know they're probably going to print because the detail is just not going to be there. Um, I mean, to give you an example, I think some of our iPhones are even 10 megapixels now. I think they're around 8 or 9, but I think some of them, I think the newest one's 10 if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I say 20, 24 plus um, because a lot of times clients will be printing these photos and that having less than 20 will just not help with the print restrictions and also just lack of detail if they are printing. Um, these cameras should always have a minimum of two card slots. Um, and I say these cameras because the third thing is you should always have two. You should have two cameras that have two card slots on the wedding day. And the reason you should have two is because what happens when Uncle Bob or Uncle Jerry's had a few shots in the parking lot before the wedding, then, you know, drinks two quick drinks and he's drunk and bumps into you and you drop your camera and it breaks. And that's your only camera. Then what? You have no backup, no solution, and you're pretty much just sitting there taking photos when a client's paid you on your iPhone or something like that. Um, so definitely always having two cameras. You don't have to use both, but having two and just making sure you have that second one as a backup um, is very, very crucial in my opinion. The second thing is those is or the third thing is those two card slots. Now this is crucial because a lot of times you could probably get away with throwing a 128 gigabyte card in both of, of the slots of a camera and and capture everything you need on a wedding day and never changing your cards out. Me personally, I don't do this. I don't like to put all my files on one card and all my files on one very, very large card. So what I do is I have cameras that have two card slots that record to both cards at the same time simultaneously. Now, with this said, I also only use 64 gigabyte cards. Now, I like to do this because right after the ceremony, I will change my cards. No matter what, If even if there's 100 shots left, 50, 300 shots left, I change my cards after the ceremony no matter what. So all I have in that is like details, 
prep ceremony and then the rest of the night i'll have you know portrait session family formals and then the reception itself and for me i like to do this just because why not change them out that way i'm not like mid portrait session having to run and change cards i usually have a little bit of a break after the ceremony where the couple's like interacting with their bridal party and like a little sweet or something and i can change them out really quickly and since they're dual recorded what i usually do is i will put my sd cards in my sd card wallet i'll put one in my sd card wallet and then one in a really skinny sd card wallet that goes directly into my pocket we live in 2020 we like to pretend that everything is peaches and rainbows and nobody's going to steal your stuff but unfortunately that's a solution or a solution that's a problem that we may encounter so for me i don't want to keep all my sd cards that have all the photos in my camera bag just in case somebody does decide to you know be swiper and um, take my bag and i don't want to lose all of those files so i keep one of those backed up cards in my pocket in another little mini um, uh, SD card, like skinny, skinny wallet, whereas my other one's a little bit more higher quality water resistance and stuff like that. And honestly, guys, when if you're dual recording your files and saving one in your pocket, you should never be worried or be fearful. There's a lot of cameras on the market that the specs are amazing, but they don't offer that to that second card slot. Um, the Canon EOS R is a great example of this. Great camera, awesome video specs, awesome photo specs, one card slot. Pretty much rules it out for all of your competitors. So realistically speaking, as far as cameras go, your requirements are 20 plus megapixels, dual recording card slots, and at least have two of them. That's, for me, that's from the start. And honestly, a fourth little tit is just have a decent autofocus system. You're, it's 2020, no one's manual focusing every single family formal shot. Definitely not. It's not now, especially with all of the quality and the amazing um, uh, um, progress these cameras have come with. Okay, so I know you're thinking, you're like, Jonathan, can we build a freaking kit now? I want to hear, tell me what you would buy, tell me what I should buy. Um, and honestly, guys, don't buy all of this stuff from the bat. This kit comes to be over $5,000 plus, but it's a great kit to work towards or to even look at and say, okay, I'm going to start with this and just go piece by piece. Um, and, and that's a great strategy. As I always said, like I said, start small, work your way up. So first we're going to start with a zoom lens kit because a lot of times I'm suggesting to start with a zoom lens because you get multiple focal ranges within that zoom lens instead of just buying, you know, one 24 millimeter or 35 millimeter and just having that cause you're just getting that range. Um, so first camera, camera. Even though this camera is a few years old, I'm still suggesting the a7 III as a great wedding photography camera. I want to say this came out about, I, I think we're going on almost three years ago. Um, so I know they're going to be re revamping it and giving the a7 IV next year, but it's a great camera. You're getting two card slots. You're getting 24 plus megapixel images, a great form factor. It's smaller. It's not huge and bulky. So if you never really used a professional camera, this won't be like um, daunting to you. It is a full frame camera and the battery life is amazing. And like I said, it's not really overcomplicated. I would suggest purchasing, purchasing two of these. You can find these, um, you know, on sale that people that are upgrading that used it for video, maybe today's 7S3. You can find, if you go to Adorama, they have like a really good use section. Um, you can find these at a great discount new they're going to be just under two thousand dollars 19.98 they're constantly i think going on sale for like 17.98 it's like 200 bucks off but like i said you could probably pick up a great condition one for about 1500 right now now i'm building this kit with price in mind i don't want to overdaunt you guys with the highest quality 35 millimeter um some of them i am but honestly a lot of this is going to be 
price in mind, especially for you guys starting off. I feel like I had to say that before telling you which lenses to purchase because if some of you guys know some of the lenses, you may be like, what the hell? Why would he say purchase that? Um, for the zoom kit lens, I am suggesting purchasing three lenses basically to cover a vast amount of focal ranges. So the first lens is going to be the 17 to 28 and the 28 to 75 Tamron lenses. Both of these lenses are f 2.8. So you're getting that really good low light, that, that low light capability as in a, in a zoom lens, because some of these other lenses are F fours. I know Sony makes a 24 to 70. That's an F four. And once you hit the reception, if you're doing photos and even or video, that F four is going to kind of daunt you a little bit because you're going to really have to pump your ISO or have lights to, or flashes to help introduce light into your scene. Um, so those are the two zoom lenses under 80 is 75 or 85. You'd say, um, that I would suggest getting. The third lens is going to be the 70 to 200 f4. Now I, I say f4 for this one because a lot of times, for me at least, I'm not using that 70 200 during the reception. I'm using that during the the ceremony where I want to be farther away and not you know having people see me. And a lot of times, like, if it's an outdoor ceremony, you won't have a problem with f4. Now you're not going to get amazing separation, especially not at 70 millimeters. You will get some at 200, but you're able to stay really on the outskirts of the ceremony, not get in people's way, especially if you're shooting in a church, and you can pump your ISO a little bit to compensate for that f4 lens. And it's just cheaper than the f2.8 G Master, almost half the price. Um, so those zoom lenses will have you covered from that wide 17 millimeter range all the way up to 200 millimeter um, in daylight situations. In the reception, you're probably going to stick with that 28 to 75 um, just because you won't want to be as wide as 17 mil. People's faces will get really, really distorted if you're doing that. And you'll get that f2.8, which is great for size. Also in this kit, I included six 64 gigabytes. And I know you may be asking, why six 64 gigabyte SD cards? Well, you have two in each camera that are recording redundantly, and you just may need a backup set for something, or if you just go over 64 gigabytes on one of those um, cameras, so you have a backup set. So six of those total. I also put in this kit two extra camera batteries just in case, and for me, I don't like to be at weddings charging things. I find it tedious and annoying. Other people are using those plugs to for the DJ, for photo booth stuff like that so i just like to come with my batteries enough for the day charged i also included a camera bag and one on camera godox flash this is obviously a whole nother episode on off camera lighting or on camera lighting um, within itself but one flash should be good for you during the reception um, this kit on amazon comes out to a total of seven thousand five hundred sixty three dollars now you're thinking dude are you insane but if you think about it, so you go out and you buy, let's say you buy the A7 III and the 28-275 Tamron, just those two things, and uh, two SD cards, whatever, and you shoot one of your friend's wedding and you tell them, hey, don't have a lot of expectations, this is my first wedding, um, I'm going to do the best I possibly can, and it's in their backyard or something. Still redundantly record those cards, but you'll have some decent images, especially if it's a nicer backyard or they, they, they decorate it a lot or something like that. And then from there, you take that $500 and you invest it into the next lens or the next one after that or the, the flash that you wanted or something like that. Go slowly because over the course, let's say if you shoot 10 weddings a year and you charge, which is cheap guys, 750 bucks, you can buy this wedding this whole kit in one year so it's not an insane amount it looks big when you're looking at it by itself it's not the same amount and you'll see that even in the other kits i tell you now below or later on in this episode you'll see that uh, 
7,500 is a good price point for building a full service kit um, minimally. I say minimally because you only have one flash. You don't have a backup flash um, and stuff like that and just a basic camera bag. And, you know, if you want to get a little bit more complex and other things, you may need more um, more stuff to just get a little bit more, you know, in depth with your photography. So the next kit is for my prime lovers out there. It's for people that, that are very energetic, people that move around a lot that know that they are going to want to have more separation from the background. That they're going to want to have better low light capabilities. Um, there's basically two kits within this kit that I made. So there's two different options and you can honestly combine some of these. Your style plays a huge effect into what what lenses and camera bodies you end up going with. So for the prime lovers, um, for this, I have one that's, both of these are pretty much price conscious because you're matching that um, by getting the higher quality prime, you are getting um, around the same price point as that zoom kit lens. So basically the first kit is starting at a 24 millimeter range, still suggesting the a7 threes. If you want to have a little bit extra, if you have a little bit extra money, go with the a7R3. You can get a little bit more megapixels. Um, it is a little, not nearly as, or not nearly, I wouldn't say not nearly. It's a little bit, I would say inferior in low light only because it does have more megapixels. So it requires a little bit more light. The a7 III is going to have better low light capabilities, but you are getting a 40 plus megapixel image as opposed to 24. Um, so this kit starts with the a7 III's, same six, same six SD cards, two camera extra batteries, a camera bag, etc. You're going to have a 24 millimeter lens. That's an F 1.4, the G master, a 50 millimeter. That's the Zeiss version an 85, just the Sony lens. That's an F 1.8. That's that kit. So a 24, 50 and 85. That's a great option because you're getting a really wide lens on the 24 side. And then you're getting like a, um, a good portrait lens at 50 and you're getting an amazing portrait lens at 85. Now, 85 might be a little bit tough during ceremony, especially if you're the photographer that does want to be on that outskirts. You don't want to be super involved and in being really close to the couple during the ceremony. You want to almost pretend like you want people to not even know you were there. 85 might be a little bit tough, especially if it's a big church wedding. Um, in that case, I would maybe recommend getting a, um, maybe that 70 to 200, adding that zoom lens, the 70 to 200 F 2.8. I'll tell you guys a little bit early is the only zoom lens I use on a wedding day for photography because I want to be able to have those varying focal ranges for the wedding ceremony if I am shooting at a big church or a big outdoor venue. So with those three lenses in the same everything else in the pre from the previous kit, that's going to come out to $7,881. So we're looking at just around like, what's like two, $320 more for a full prime kit lens, but you're only getting three focal ranges, 24, 15, 85. Do you see why this is a little bit less bang for your buck? Whereas with the zoom lens kit, you're getting 17 all the way up to 200. So a lot more focal ranges, but losing a little bit of the quality and um, the low light capabilities. The second little mini kit is just starting about 10 millimeters um, farther, and that's a 35, an 85, and a 135. That 135 is going to be amazing for the ceremony, especially if it's not insanely big. And then that 85 is going to be a beautiful portrait lens, and then 35 will be just wide enough to where you can probably get it to work in tight spaces at like bride prep and groom prep and stuff like that. That kit comes out to $7,758. So it's a little bit cheaper than the um, starting a 24mm kit, but also still is more expensive than your zoom lens, obviously. Um, the lenses vary really crucial by your shooting style. I find, and this is my personal opinion, I like delivering galleries that have large impacts. And in that, 
for me, I want there to be distinct differences between focal ranges. So with a zoom lens, and I think that this is where that little saying I told you, I told you guys about, um, where the client doesn't know the difference, the zoom lens, you are sacrificing those harsh, distinct differences. There's a clear difference between a 24 millimeter image on a 24 millimeter lens and a 85 harsh differences. Whereas with a zoom lens on a 28 to 75, you could be zooming in like three millimeters and back out to like 28, then into like 41, which is like such a weird millimeter range. Um, and they're really, everything might look a little bit more cohesive, especially if you're, you're doing just very small incremental changes. Um, whereas with the, with the prime lenses, these are like really impactful changes. You have a wide lens of the groom and the bride dancing, and then you have like an 85 tight of like just their facial expressions. Like those are harsh differences still with a really nice blown out background. Um, so that's how those lenses can play a big effect in the style that you're trying to portray for your couples. For me, I just recently picked up the 24. I thought I was in love with the 35. Then I got the 24 and I literally have been pissed I didn't buy it earlier. I like to be close to my couples and to my clients when I shoot. I don't like being really far away at an 85 or 135. I feel like I can't interact with them. I can't get them laughing. I can't get them posing um, comfortably. Whereas if I'm a 25, it's more so like my images look like the person that's looking at the photo was there. And that's what I like to portray with me and my brand and my style. So this that's very crucial on picking the gear you're going to purchase for your business, guys, is your style, branding, and stuff like that. I need a breather, guys. That was a lot. I feel like I was talking like consistently for like 10 or 15 minutes straight on this stuff. But those are three really good examples of a kit you can build up to and then test things out. I don't know how much I can say this. Test things out. You have return dates on all of this stuff now. And I think with Amazon, almost none of none of the items in my cart that I get flagged for a like um, restocking fee. So it's not like you're required to keep these things. Um, so test it out. If you end up deciding you think you're going to like it, but you're not going to like it, that was kind of my idea with the 24 mil. I was like, I think it's going to be too wide. And then I bought it and I fell in love with it. And now I honestly find myself using it a little bit more than 35. Um, so test things out for sure. I want to tell you guys what I'm currently using. And kind of what situation I'm using them in. So my camera bodies are the A7R3 and the A7 III. I love the A7R3, love the A7 III. The only gripe with it is the color science is a little bit different on these cameras. So when editing the RAW files, you can still get the same look on both files um, from the same exact location and, and shot, but it's just going to be a little bit different. Whereas like with, let's say you dial in a photo under this one tree and then you take like 20 with your R3 and then 20 with your A7 III. Um, I won't be able to sync that edit across those photos. I kind of have to tweak the A7 III one a little bit more just because it pulls a little bit more magenta color, I find. Um, something that I'm kind of... I don't want to say not enjoying, um, but definitely finding it frustrating in the editing room. So I'm a little bit more eager to pick up an, an A7R3, especially when um, I think the A7 IV comes out and it's a little bit cheaper, um, just because I find that to be the perfect wedding photography camera. I love the A7R3. That's my A camera for sure. So I'm going to start with my lenses and kind of go um, from widest to tightest and kind of tell you what I purchased first and what were game changers for me, because there's always going to be a lens that's going to be a game changer for you. For me, my widest lens is the Laowa 12mm. I tell you guys, I take two photos with this on a wedding day. Two. Not exaggerating. Two. The first photo will be a very wide shot. Er, okay, two locations. Two locations, guys. The first location is going to be ceremony. Before the ceremony starts and nobody's sitting there and it's all you know decorated with your florals and color scheme, I take one wide camera or one wide shot of the ceremony site. 
Then when the ceremony is going on, I'll literally put that lens on for one wide shot of the ceremony happening with the couple like facing each other. And I basically do that same exact thing during the reception. So a wide shot at the reception, all decorated with nobody there. And then maybe like a wide shot when the couple's like sitting down at their sweetheart table. And that's it. That lens I primarily use for video. Moving on, I just got that 20, Sony 24mm. I've been loving this during groom and bride prep as well with the Sigma 35. I picked up the Sigma 35 over the Sony version because A, it was cheaper and B, I got a great deal on it and the quality is great. It is a little bit heavy, which is kind of annoying, um, but it's a great lens. I love that. I also use the Sony Zeiss 55mm, which I love during groom and bride prep um, if there's a little bit more room for me to work with or on my B cam. I use a dual camera strap pretty much all day, and basically what I'm doing is I'm having a difference in focal ranges on both those cameras. So I never would put a 24 and a 35 on both those cameras. I want to be jumping at least one category. So if I have the 24 on, I probably will have the 55. If I have a 35 on one camera, I'm probably going to have my Sony 85 f1.8 on the other to have those differences in the images that I talked to you guys about with the gallery. Um, I also have these the Tamron 20 to 75. Again, more so using that lens for video because it's a great video lens, and I don't prefer like using full um, zooms on wedding days. Um, but the one thing I love about that Tamron lens is the closest. Uh, the minimum focus distance is really, really close. So you guys can get pretty close to your ring shot with that lens, which I find pretty amazing seeing as it is technically with 28 being not really super wide, but 28 being a wider angle lens. Like I told you guys earlier, I do have the Sony G Master 20 or 70 to 200, and I use that one during the ceremony. That's the f2.8 version. I don't think I've ever touched it during the reception or even during like portraits or anything like that. Um, I think it would be good for portraits if you had a lot of space because you don't have to worry about like changing your aperture. You could just keep it at f2.8 or just nunch up from there. Um, but great lens for the ceremony, especially if you don't like to be like up and close and personal. Um, and then my little nifty lens I have is a lens soul baby 45 mil. It's one of those like aperture blade lenses. It's like an f3.8. Don't use it often just for like creative shots here and there if I see something. I use the Sony Tough Cards. They're literally pieces of metal instead of plastic. I just have the a little bit more faith in them. Like I said, dual camera strap. Um, I have like a little side bag. For me, after I picked up all the lenses that I wanted in my kit, I decided to invest heavy into flash. I decided, or I went with using the Godox system because they have a really good wireless system as opposed to having um, the other the other flashes, even the Sony flashes where you have to have like multiple things stacked on your hot shoe on top of your camera, whereas the Godox has their Trigger Pro, which is amazing. It's super small, lightweight. I set up a triangle light, three-point lighting system so that I don't have to basically move my fat flash around all the time for vertical and horizontal at the reception. I just make sure that the triangle system is set up properly, that the lighting is set up at the proper um, potency or power, and that I can, you know, take verticals and horizontals freely as I'd like. I also bring my Mavic 2 Pro just because sometimes there are certain areas that have really, really cool um, aerial perspectives um, for photos, and I'll bring that sometimes if I want to grab like a quick shot of like the bride and groom like walking away or something or even like walking towards me or like here and then they're like laying down on the grass or something like that. that that photo always comes out pretty cool um and that's pretty much it guys that's my gear that's my gear that's my gear guys um i hope that you found this episode helpful i want to leave you with a few tips before i let you go tip number one make sure your kit fits your style don't use lenses and come home and say oh i really don't like how this photo looks Maybe try switching the lens. If you constantly use a 35 during the bride and groom session and you're like, ah, I just haven't loved my photos recently, 
put the 55 on, put the 85 on, try doing the whole bride and groom session with that lens and see if you fall in love with those photos because maybe you want to use that more and that fits more of your style. Um, definitely rent gear. I rented the 70 to 200 three times before I bought it. And some of you might be thinking that's stupid. Like it's like 600 or 500 bucks depending where you rent um, and rental fees. Well, I didn't want to spend $2,500 on a lens I never used and then like miss the, um, you know, return window or something. Um, and then I just found a great deal on it. I got it for $19.95, so almost $600 off. Um, and that's crucial too, guys, is that goes on to my third thing is shop used gear. People like it. Like I'm telling you right now, they buy stuff, they realize they don't really ever use it or like it, and then they sell it. Not like they abused it and damaged it, um, but they just sell it because they don't use it anymore. And then last thing is just keep everything clean. Please keep your stuff clean. Nothing aggravates me more than when I hire second shooters or other people or I see other videographers or photographers and their gear is banged up, dirty, scratched up. Like the better quality you keep your stuff in, the longer it's going to, you know, last you and your resale value is going to be higher when there's like another version of said thing um, and stuff like that. Well, that's it today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Um, for sure, don't. The number one thing I want you to take away from it is don't go out buying these kits outright. Um, the first wedding I ever shot, I had a 55 millimeter and an A6500, and I rented the 70 to 200, and that was it. Build your kit as you learn more about your style and as your business grows in the background. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram and YouTube. I post there frequently, and I'm always answering questions questions on Instagram whenever people have them. I'll talk to you guys next week on the podcast.